Hey everyone, it's Ryan again with the Blockchain Podcast, and it's been a little bit of time since I made a podcast or generated some co- uh, content for the crypto space, and that's primarily because there hasn't been too much action other than some downward momentum that I had already talked about at the turn of the year and even a little bit before that, cautioning people about a correction that uh, was imminent and about to occur and that definitely would occur. And so we saw a bit of that going from the you know the high of uh, twenty thousand or so down to uh, in the upper five thousands. And you know my target had kind of been somewhere in the five thousand range to kind of look at and reassess where we are and, and what the sentiment is and uh, cycle and so forth and look at the charts and some of the technicals and and so I'll say that you know the last handful of days have looked better. Um, the, the normal it uh, doesn't mean that we're out of the woods doesn't mean we can't see 5,000 or 3,000 or something to that effect but I think the risk of that is slightly lower than it was before and you know it would be very good if we saw some sideways action for a bit of time here but keep in mind we are still down quite a bit from where we were um, all obviously at the all-time highs and if you look at the charts and you look at kind of where it's coming back to and where things are stabilizing at obviously that was a manic mania sort of era and there were a lot of things that were pumped, especially in the alt space, that uh, were just garbage. And there still are ones that are retaining um, an enormous amount of value that shouldn't be. And so we'll still have that continue to wash out over time. But I don't think we're going to go into you know this mania phase. I hope that we go into a sideways consolidation and that uh, we don't see a huge downside movement to, say, like 3,000. If we come back down to 5-ish... I think I can stomach that, or of course I can stomach that, but I think the market or the industry can stomach that. I think that uh, looking at the alts that are going to be strong and that are providing, you know, real platforms, real foundations, I think that's going to be very important. And I think the ones, uh, a lot of these coins, you know, hundreds, thousands of these other coins that are just kind of out there and exist, uh, I just don't see them doing particularly well over time. I think we're in this kind of weed out area and you may have, you know, um, hype sort of runs still. I mean, this is a very illiquid market for these small coins and they can run with, you know, pumps just like before, but we've had such downward pressure um, over the last several months that it just probably wouldn't be wise to do the pump and dumps and it just wouldn't be effective, I should say. So some of the pressures um, that kind of contributed to this downward movement from what I can tell is uh, just this irrational exuberance, first of all, you know, the bubble kind of quote unquote popping. And so that was just going to happen. I mean, it's if you look at markets you've traded for a while, you know, psychologically that these things occur and that there's only one thing for the one way for them to resolve themselves. And that's, you know, a massive move downward. And then there was the Gox well. So as part of, uh, you know, the Mount Gox collapse many years ago, uh, it's been going through the legal process in Japan and there's been a liquidation of the assets. And so the uh, person who's in charge of liquidating the assets has been liquidating a lot. You know, uh, it came out that they had liquidated 400 million and then they had, you know, a billion or so to liquidate or thereabouts. And so that's obviously no matter what, even if they do it in a, you know, offline sort of way off off exchange, it's going to affect uh, the supply and demand. And I know that uh, they had mentioned that they were uh, selling in such a way that it wouldn't affect market prices. But obviously, that's bullshit. I mean, if you have a bunch of supply come on demand uh, or a bunch of supply come online um, and you have declining demand or even stagnant demand, it's obviously going to cause the price uh, to move downward. It's only in a case where 
the price is going up and you have this kind of insatiable demand, you have uh, more demand and you have supply where you can actually sell into that market and not affect the price negatively. I mean, that's just pretty much basic economics. So I'm sure that had an impact. Uh, some other people on uh, Twitter, Reddit, other places, news, um, and some prominent sort of crypto investors, they had been mentioning that taxes um, have uh, been playing a big role on the downward pressure, meaning that people who made a ton of money in uh, 2017, which was, uh, you know, people who were holding for quite a while, even people who, um, you know, sold early in the year when it went from 1000 to 2000 to 3000 you know, on, on the low end to people that uh, sold out at 20000 had some spread in between there, that there was a lot of capital gains. And as they booked those capital gains in 2017, that they... Um, then had to pay the tax, you know, come April 15th uh, today. Well, they have to pay April 18th because it's a holiday tomorrow and, you know, April 15th falls on a weekend. But April 18th is the is the date for um, uh, reconciling and paying your taxes. And so, you know, there was speculation that a lot of the selling was to uh, raise capital in these big portfolios uh, to pay the taxes on the gains that occurred last year. And so that's a plausible sort of explanation to a certain extent. Obviously, um, the rest of the world uh, probably has potentially, and I actually don't know, different tax dates of filing and paying and so forth. Actually, I do know that a lot of them do. Um, uh, so that's primarily, I would say, a U.S. sort of phenomenon. And it's little, it's potentially a little myopic thinking that uh, um, the U.S. could have such a big impact like that on the price. But, you know, the U.S. is a big market, but also the Japanese and South Korean and many other markets are large markets as well. So uh, definitely, again, uh, it will have one sort of effect, which is downward uh, supply demand, diminishing demand after the hype, uh, greater uh, supply because of uh, raising money for capital gains uh, for paying taxes. And so, again, you have that downward momentum, which would... Uh, kind of contribute to what we had seen over the last couple months. So uh, between all those things, I think those are primary um, things, you know, those those kind of make up the uh, the uh, uh, big fall. There hasn't been any huge regulatory sort of burdens placed on it. There haven't been any sort of um, crazy new adoption rates or anything, nothing to drive demand uh, in, in a way that would uh, uh, be satiable for the huge price that it had before. Uh, only things that would kind of uh, drive supply uh, in this sh uh, short term over the last few months. And then, like I said, uh, lowering of kind of the manic sort of uh, buying frenzy. So those are my thoughts on price. Uh, I know alts got hit pretty hard. Things have rebounded quite a bit in the last few days. Again, don't take this necessarily as being out of the woods. I think it's very important to be cautious and patient. And if you look at some of the 2013, 2014 sort of crash and recovery analogies, uh, it, it may be similar. Keep in mind that we're in a market where uh, it's a psychologically based market. It's not really based on fundamentals. The only things that I've really seen that really can drive the price uh, down um, at this point is something like regulations really cracking down or governments really cracking down or banning. Those have been typically temporary um, sort of downward trends and then they've recovered and uh, the, the response has been uh, reduced over time. So now if some country announces that, India or whoever else, uh, it's, it's not that big of an impact anymore. So that's had diminishing sorts of uh, negative momentum, if you will. So there's not too many things other than kind of what people are willing to pay and just how these uh, markets are playing out emotionally and psychologically. 
I think as we start seeing third generation blockchains like EOS and Tezos and Cardano and, you know, Lisk and a handful of these others, as we start seeing those become more prominent and people making more um, uh, respectable or, or usable or whatever you want to call it applications, I think that'll drive another era of growth if that could be surmounted, if there really is the significant uh, use cases that uh, can really utilize blockchain or optimize for blockchain and uh, uh, really contribute and add value. So if those begin to pop up more and more with these new blockchains, and, and I don't think it's Ethereum, I, I you know I've said that a while, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I won't say bearish on Ethereum, I'm not so hyped about it, but I won't talk about that here. I, I'm looking forward to the next gen stuff and then, like I said, seeing, you know, uh, the... Uh, production or, or, or creation of killer applications that can help drive the entire space. So initially, Bitcoin drove the space, right, with this uh, uh, digital distributed, you know, currency, all the names that people threw out in the early days, cheap, low transaction fees, that's not necessarily the case anymore. But uh, they had certain value propositions. And the, and the big one early on was the Silk Road sort of stuff, kind of this uh, um, black market sort of currency. And that's valuable. Right? That's a big market. And so that was kind of its initial killer app, honestly, if we want to be honest about it. And then Ethereum, it was ICOs, right? That was its killer app. And both of those had big drives to high value. You know, that's what drove, you know, the, the value back in 2012, 2013 for Bitcoin um, was, you know, kind of this Silk Road sort of stuff. And for um, ICOs, um, it was Ethereum, right? And that, that occurred too. That was a big wave into the sector uh, last year where it really took off. And so this next wave, like I said, I keep on saying, I think it's this third gen blockchain applications, real use cases. And the other ones are still growing as well um, with Bitcoin, you know, uh, awareness. I won't say necessarily adoption. I think Bitcoin Cash and some of the other ones with lower transaction fees are going to be potentially used more in commerce. Lightning's a bit complicated and will take some time to really vet out and get working. But overall, those are still chugging along. Um, Ethereum, you know, I know there's activity going on with sharding and some other things and, um, I don't know, optimizations and scalability and so forth and so on, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the leadership or at least what is perceived to be the leadership. I'm not a huge fan of centralization, uh, although I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, religious about that either. I do understand that, uh, technologies can operate just fine with a centralized sort of system, but if that's part of the value proposition, then you know it starts to negate it if it's an overly centralized system. So Ethereum, um, I think Ethereum's you know great for the ICO for tokens. People are familiar with it, but to me, there's really uh, no no reason to necessarily stick with it. Um, and that's where, like I said, Tezos or Neo or EOS or these others can really take a swipe at ethereum and i don't see any real impediments to the switching costs and i and i don't see ethereum as killer technology either it was a great or it is a great proof of concept sort of demonstration it, it definitely found its uh, initial killer application but i i just don't like the leadership and i don't like um necessarily what i'm seeing in and the work that's going on under the hood or just the community. And again, people might hate me for that. I definitely could be wrong on it. Um, but I just see better, more organized technologies and teams um, in this third gen stuff that, that uh, uh, Ethereum just doesn't have an advantage over. So 
that's my my two cents there. So anyway, I think the next wave is coming. Uh, it'll take you know sometime this year or going into next year. I do think that will drive uh, uh, some of the alts that are more respectable, like uh, Zancash. I, I I talk about that quite a bit, or at least I've mentioned I actually really like that project. Um, and I, I do like the team behind it, and I do like the partnership with IOHK, and I do think Charles um, is, is a very smart guy. I'm not sure about Cardano or ADA as far as uh, what the price movement will be because their philosophy on you know the scientific sort of um, process is a slower process. It's definitely a, a healthy technical slash scientific process, and I think his mind is very much into that, and I think he's a very smart guy. But that doesn't necessarily lead to the most... Um, widespread adoption or the highest value you know all throughout time you know the the leading technology doesn't necessarily win right that's that's been demonstrated multiple times over and over and over again there are many other factors that um, end up making something successful from an investment point of view and it's not always the best technology so that's the only reservation that i do have about you know uh, Cardano, and you know, I haven't gone deep into it. I'm sure you know the technology that they're building is going to be sound and you know all vetted and have good proofs and all that nature. But um, it just doesn't have the same sort of awareness. It doesn't have the same sort of money backing, brand recognition, um, as say the deep pockets of say like EOS or Tezos with their an enormous amount of money. Even though Tezos, you know, even with their updates and other things, it just looks like they're kind of building this out of the garage sort of thing. I mean, that's a, maybe a little harsh, but they are working. They are doing stuff. They do have a lot of money. They do have a lot of exposure. Even the negative exposure that they got with the issues with their foundation, that has created awareness. And again, I can't emphasize enough that awareness is the first stage of um, this whole system working for a particular platform. If you don't have awareness... And it's very difficult um, to capture market share, to get people using, to get people to build on top of your platform, et cetera, et cetera. It, it is very difficult. So that awareness factor is going to be an important component, a very important component, critical component. And so that's why I've been focusing more lately on the um, kind of, I won't say large caps because Zencash isn't a large cap, but really well put together, well thought out, you know, um, holistic uh uh, platforms or coins that kind of operate like a business and uh that may be you know uh it's not uh it, it, i'm not gonna say heresy but it might be something that's uh, against the nature of decentralized blockchain sort of stuff now that's not saying that i'm looking at tokens or coins that are centralized because again i think you know, one of the value propositions, even if it's not perfect, is that, it, you know, decentralization and some of these aspects of uh, censorship are important to the blockchain technology space. So that's kind of my, uh, some of my thoughts there is, is looking at these tokens, looking at these coins, looking at these projects, more importantly, these platforms, how they're run, how much money they have, what their team looks like, the progress that they're making, you know, where they fill their niche in the market, uh, what is their price right now, where do I think their price can go, the value proposition there, the potential risks, the potential ROI, things of that nature. You know, again, uh, kind of an analyst sort of uh, looking at a, a startup company and seeing, you know, where they can go. So that's how I'm looking at things. Uh, and I, I, I think there's a handful of good ones. I think there's about, you know, less than a dozen that I think uh, I would place bets on. Uh, and the rest of them, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't do that unless I was trading and looking to get in and out. But about uh, 
somewhere on the order of a dozen or less, I would probably hold um, for several years. And I would look at those as um, opportunities for growth. And, and I would consolidate that to that aspect of my portfolio and kind of let it ride and monitor the situation as time goes on, rebalance as necessary, and uh, be happy that I have exposure in the space rather than you know, trying to chase all these you know, 1,000x, 100x, whatever. I think those days are fleeting for the um, really small stuff. I think you're incurring more risk now than reward for a lot of coins, whereas before, during the hype cycle, you were incurring um, potentially, I, I won't say less risk, you were, you were inheriting risk, but you had such a high reward because you could 10x, 100x, you know, on just about nothing and there was um, these pumps that were going on you know in sequence and repeatedly and it just kept going up and up and up and so in that situation because of the mania because of the hype you had an ROI that would justify what was actually a relatively high risk and then the risk somehow was lowered because there was just dumb money and stupidity being thrown at things. So it was a weird era. Don't get caught up in that at this point. I think it would be a mistake to think that that uh, is going to continue or resurge again. I think it will happen in pockets, but I think it would be a mistake to think that it's it's moving forward. Um, I think more likely is that you'll have some of these, again, derivative applications, derivative projects, derivative things that are worth looking at now, Think th things that are built on top of Ethereum or EOS or uh, Tezos. There's going to be this new wave, okay? And so I think those are more likely um, to probably initially see like a hype cycle. Um, they'll see that rene renewed sort of hype. And then, you know, if those platforms and underlying and the capabilities are, are more capable, then you should get more robust applications uh, that come out of that. And then those should actually be something that are, you know, again, obviously not all of them, but if you can select good ones, those should be more durable for the long term. And I, I don't know what the next stage after this, if there's fourth generation blockchains, um, I don't particularly see it at this point. I, uh, and that may evolve over time. But I think that uh, over the next two years, we're kind of getting into this uh, full stack sort of maturity. And then maybe five to 10 years after that, it's kind of building, 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 building for years and years and years. The infrastructure will continue to grow. Usability and user base will continue to grow. And we will stagnate somewhere or it'll take over the world. And that could happen for a number of reasons. Um, you could even have acceleration of that if there's currency issues, massive inflation in certain countries, et cetera, et cetera. And I think right now, uh, the even though all these blockchain technologies or currencies are imperfect, they are definitely a substitute for countries or places where hyperinflation or uh, instability in the monetary policy or supply or whatever currencies um, is there. And these are very good alternatives to um, places like that. What we just need for them to be really, really good is stabilization in the price. And I think that's going to come when they grow to a size that uh, it's just not easy to move where there's enough financial instruments to uh, hedge and, and kind of... Uh, buy, sell futures, options, all these other things, go short, go long, etc. And, you know, obviously that's happening with Bitcoin. So that may be the coin that is the first to stabilize. But I think we do have a ways to go. I think if, you know, Bitcoin is really used in commerce and uh, as a store of value, whatever you want to call it, I do think we're looking at somewhere in the 100,000-ish um, or more mark. And I think that's where we'll get some, some uh, 
um, sense of stability in the price action. Now, will it go to 100,000 uh, or more? I don't know. I do think it's plausible, um, but Bitcoin as well um, has consistently, at least Bitcoin Core has consistently, you know, kind of been um, slow in its uh, development process, which is the nature of, you know, a hundred billion dollar plus project you have to be careful you have to be deliberate deliberate you have to be diligent you have a lot of different players from you know uh, uh, full nodes to miners to users to all these people who have a say in how this thing gets developed um, or gets deployed and you have a lot of development work to do from you know just building technology out and infrastructure so we'll see but it definitely has the best biggest brand recognition i haven't seen that change even ethereum you know a lot of people know about ethereum but nowhere near as much as bitcoin and if usability and some of the other things can be worked out you know i think it has a bright future ahead just as long as uh the bickering and so forth uh kind of stops and people do real work and, and I'll, I'll briefly note on that uh real quick before i close out is twitter is a cesspool okay it's a cesspool of bullshit and uh, bickering and high school sort of antics, which is unfortunate, and that's really uh, actually the case for the broader Twitter network. Um, it would be nice if someone created a new Twitter. Um, but besides that, in crypto, it's particularly um, convoluted, and particularly uh, I won't, I don't want to use the word toxic, but uh, there's a lot of bickering. You know, whether it's an altcoin or whether it's uh, you know uh, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin it, Core, it's just it's it's unnecessary. You have elitism, you have people calling each other names, you have just this general childlike behavior. And, you know, both sides, for that civil war at least, do have merit. Okay, they do have things they believe in, they do have things they're trying for, they do have smart people on both sides, but they're different sorts of smart. And I think it would help Bitcoin Core if they came across as less elitist. They, they, uh, they really um, make people think you know that they just think that they're the best in the world and they're elitist and they know what's best and you know whatever and and then also on the bitcoin cash you know sometimes you can come across as shilling you know but uh they do have their different value propositions that i think they should just be building and i think uh andreas uh, mentioned that and i think that was important that you know not taking sides but saying you know people need to build and it would be nice if that drama kind of just went away because it's really unnecessary uh, as far as other alts, you can glean some information from Twitter about some potential issues with different alts. I always think it's very important to look at the people behind projects, even though these are decentralized systems and no one owns Bitcoin or whatever. That's kind of um, not really the case. I mean, you always have a c community or conglomerate of people that um, uh, steer things and, and have particular values and thought processes and so forth. And you could decipher those if you um, look into what they're saying. And so for some, there are, you know, Peter Todd's great to follow. You know, he seems to, to be a pretty straight shooter. And you can kind of glean some issues with different projects from that and then dig do deeper and go into and in, uh, investigating, you know, one where it has got that has gotten a lot of flack is like IOTA. Um, IOTA uh, has kind of a different technology with the Tangle, but at the same time, it's you know it's like a DAG basically. But they've had some real serious issues, and how they've handled it as a team, um, and how they kind of handle responses. I, I look at that and I say, you know, it's it's a, it's less than professional, and you'll see that across the board in crypto. And you know. Uh, maybe it's not an indicator of future success, but it's definitely something that's concerning, especially for systems that are checkpointed or centralized like uh, um, 
iota is and things like that you know once it's not may not be so big of a deal because they have less control and direction but you know they always do the founders always have some sort of direction some sort of control i mean people even today um refer back to uh, satoshi's uh, white paper as like what it's supposed to be even though satoshi's you know effectively dead from the community or from public life or whatever the case may be and you have you know leaders like charlie lee with litecoin and you know uh, Charles for, you know, Cardano and so forth. And you have to look at those leaders because they do have an impact. If you see, if you watch, you know, how these people act, they actually do have an impact on the direction of the project or even Vitalik, you know, and I don't particularly like Vitalik, you know, from a, uh, uh, leading a project sort of view, to be honest. So those things concern me and those things do have an impact even in these decentralized systems. So don't forget that team is important, just like any sort of project, any sort of business. So I kind of got off onto a little bit of a rant there, um, but I wanted to kind of get uh, some some thoughts out there for this podcast, kind of uh, kickstart things again, kind of watch where things go. Like I said, we can be up or down from here, um, but I do think we're at some sort of inflection point. And even if that inflection point means we're moving sideways for a while, great. Uh, it could mean that we're, you know, this is kind of a false jump and we could be moving down hard, or it could be that, uh, you know, we're moving up and we make our way back to 10K-ish and we hang out there. But I would like to see some sideways consolidation for a bit of time. So with that, I'll uh, close out this podcast. Hopefully I can uh, make a bit more of these in the future on a more regular basis as things get more exciting. But generally, I don't like to generate uh, uh, content that is just, you know, hot air and just talking to talk. I don't want to cover shitty projects. I don't want to cover things that I don't believe in or drama. Um, but what I might start covering is a focus on the coins or platforms that I that I really believe in and really think are good um, and, and kind of diving deeper into those. So I might do that in the future. So with that, I'll close out. You know, check out the website. If nothing else, there's prices and news on blockchain.co. And uh, hopefully I get some more updates there in the near future. Follow on Twitter. That's probably looking like the best way to kind of get the latest content, even though sometimes I hate Twitter. Um, but with that, I'll close out and I uh, hope to see you next time.